The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans alike. A shining download online, all alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, the year the introcast wars came upon us all. This is the story of the Babylon 5 introcast. The year is 2014. The show, Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm in. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Today, we are joined again by a frequent visitor to Down Below. I'm starting to wonder if there's some kind of shady deal that's going on. But <laughs> say hello to Yan. Hey, Yan. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. And it's good to be back. Yeah, thanks for filling in. This is sweet. No problem. Today, we are here to discuss episode 10 of season 2, Ropos. But first, here's an ISN special report. ISN News Update As cleanup maneuvers continue on Actor, more information continues to come to light on Operation Sudden Death. Confidential sources have revealed to ISN that... Prior to the liberation, the men and women under the command of General Franklin were temporarily stationed on Babylon 5. Rumours have it that Captain Sheridan may have been involved in aiding the general with his preparations. For continual coverage of the events on Actor, please continue to tune in to ISN. As always though, our thoughts go out to the family and friends of those who lost their lives on Actor. Gropos originally aired February 8th, 1995. It was directed by Jim Johnston, who last directed A Race Through Dark Places, and it was written by Lawrence Larry Dettilio, who last wrote Spider in the Web. One thing I saw was that this episode was so far over budget that they had to do two smaller episodes to make up for it. Really? Yeah, I guess all the peak, all the soldiers and all the CGI. Yeah. Wow, it must have been important for them to get this message across. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the CGI that looked so bad during the ISN report. <laughs> I can what? help it. The mid-90s. Yeah, but you can't use that excuse all the time because sometimes it's really good. True. So let's get into the recap. So the episode begins in C&C. Ivanova is happy because things have been pretty quiet lately. Clarence actually gets some dialogue that's not just a status report. (laughs) This was really nice, this little scene. It could have been Ivanova and Sheridan, but it's not. And it it really builds up things on the station and fleshes the whole thing out a bit, I think. Having a character like this, which we've seen in the background, gets some character development. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I know him so much better now. <laughs> yeah, who knew he was so pedantic? <laughs> what is that time is Oh, whoa, 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 it's the only quote I have. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. Um, I know. 
But then we see six ships come through the jump gate. They're Earth Force ships requesting to dock. They alert Sheridan and the Dockers Guild. So then we go down to see Richard Franklin. What was he, a general? He's a general. Yeah, general. He arrives and is greeted by Sheridan. Franklin's on a classified operation, but he needs room for 25,000 people, and they're going to be there for several days. 25,000 people. That's a, a tenth of the of the population of the station. Yeah, yeah that's a huge amount. Yes, it is. And they can't exactly put them in with people that are renting rooms or, you know, alien worlds. They have to, yeah, they put them. Put them with all the uh, Earth personnel. So absolutely, and then put them in the nooks and crannies, uh, like wherever they can find room for them. Well, Franklin has yeah. a cot bed, right? So yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> you don't it want to sleep. Seems the command staff are exempt from sharing any space, though. Yeah, it, it does. Well, unless this Garibaldi had a really uncomfortable roommate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Richard Franklin is Dr. Franklin's father. He doesn't want Sheridan to let Dr. Franklin know that he's there. He'll attend to it when his people are settled. Okay, but really, like, Franklin is a very common last name. Like, you're really going to ask every Franklin if they're related. It makes no sense. Maybe it's because they're both in the military. No. (laughs) (laughs) He does the same thing with Garibaldi later, the the colonel or whatever, the general. Yeah. I guess Garibaldi is probably a... Not quite as common name, but still. Right. I guess World mm, War Three yeah. did its number on the planet's population. <laughs> they wiped out all the Franklin. <laughs> yeah. It's not a common name anymore. <laughs> so then we have the opening credits, which, yeah, I did notice in the top this time. Yeah. I actually went yeah. back and looked at the uh, the ones that I had said that she wasn't in, and I was wrong. <laughs> she was in them. I don't know. I just must have blinked and missed her. The problem mean when she's not in the episode, it's really easy to miss her in the opening credits. Yeah, it goes by pretty fast. Usually during the opening credits, I'm writing down notes. It's like one of the two times I can write down notes and not have to like pause the <laughs> episode. Oh, yeah. After the credits, we see Richard Franklin's people are boarding B-5. We get our first glimpse of Private Derman, Dodger... She's played by Marie Marshall. I saw that she was in a few episodes of Silk Stockings. And okay. She a show called Billy. What is Silk Stockings? I think I've heard of that. It sounds yeah, like it's going to be USA. Yeah, it was on USA, but it probably could have been on Cinemax from what, I, from what I remember about it. I never watched it, but I remember hearing things about it. Hmm. So it was very hectic on B5. Ivanova is talking to Garibaldi. and It's a classified operation that General Franklin's men are on and they'll be briefed later and they're going to seal that area for military personnel only. And she considers it a nightmare. Hmm. Yeah. I I like that long shot though of the troops going through the I don't know, the hangars. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was a composite shot, I think, actually, you know. Oh, I'm, you mean they didn't construct a humongous set with hangers and and ships? Yeah, no, but it looked cool. Yeah, definitely adds an extra scale to the whole station. Yeah. And and how many people were coming? Oh, yeah. Uh, Garibaldi, Ivanova, and Sheridan are discussing the situation. It's thrown their docking schedule off. This is the first of a few references to the dock uh, the dock. Docking Guild. Yeah. Um, 
Garibaldi's worried about what will happen when the ground pounders hit the wreck area. They're posted that the more colorful areas are off limit, but probably won't do any good. And they arrive to where Richard Franklin is. And yeah, Franklin had Garibaldi's father under his command during the Dilgar invasion. Mm, yeah. I suppose oh, this could have been another quote. So, yeah, I suppose I could have taken this from, but it goes by so quickly. It, yeah. I, I like the characterization of this um, general. I, he does a good job with that. You know, he all too often you can get generals and you know higher up commands being blustery and um, over the top, but I think he strikes a good balance in this one. Yeah. I, I totally recognize that guy, too. Yeah, I was just realized I forgot to look him up. He's played by Paul Winfield. I know his name, but I was going to look up some of his other credits. He was in some episodes of Touched by an Angel. Nope. Uh, I think he's been in a lot of stuff, though. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's in everything. He was, he was in a pretty popular episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Darmok. Was... Yeah. Okay. He was the other captain, I believe. Right. He's been in a lot of stuff. L.A. Law, 227. Oh, my God, 227. Oh, <laughs> I love that show. No, I used to watch it. Sometimes there are reruns, like, on cable, and I'll stop and watch it when it's <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, um, there's a vibe I've got this time uh, that, you know, after seeing uh, Battlestar Galactica a few times through now, that I could in some ways, draw parallels to um, a certain character in that series who shows up, who kind of pulls rank on everyone else and throws the dynamic off a bit. And there's some differences, obviously, but um, it's just a shame our guest host couldn't make it this week. And um, I think there's a lot of um, Battlestar Galactica, um, if not influence, you know, well, Babylon 5 influence on Battlestar Galactica here. There's definite similarities. Mm -hmm. Well, Battlestar Galactica draws a lot from, you know, military culture and, you know, sort of the whole genre of the war movie. Um, So it's kind of like that, too. You know, you have people acting acting out of fear, acting out of... Um, you know, different emotions that come from not being sure of things. Uh. Yeah, and here we've got the start of the fractions that exist between different, um, you know, military organizations. Yeah, Yeah, so I guess we're supposed to take it that these are, um, because the Marines are part of the Navy, so I guess, I don't know, it's Earth Force, so who knows. Well, the way I took it is, you know, yeah, the Gropos are kind of the infantry ground force and, you know, basically our main cast are the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the future, they've all kind of been mushed together into one organization, but, you know, there's still that rivalry. Yeah. Right. Flyboys and yeah. whatever. Still yeah. called Jarheads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though they had floppy hair, so I'm almost like, what? <laughs> it's one of those things that the tradition just remains, whether you know why or not. They just don't know what it means anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, that uh, goes for the saying later on, rattling of sabers. I mean, that's outdated nowadays, but we still use it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So General Franklin explains that Akdor is involved in a civil war, and one side is requested that Earth get involved. What I can't remember how they pronounce it. The Shalassan. Shalassan, yeah. Okay. So Earth is going to get involved, and they're going to attack the rebels after the Senate makes an announcement. Sheridan spends some time at the place where they're going to attack, and he thinks it's a death trap. But General Franklin wants him to help plan the assault since he has knowledge of this place. And in return, the general has brought gifts, new weapons for B-5. This will give them enough power to take on a warship. Sheridan doesn't like this because this is a place of peace, but Franklin says the universe is changing and they need to change with it. Yeah, this episode really wouldn't have worked any time before last week's episode because last week's episode just changes the dynamic of the galaxy completely. Yeah. Yes. I suppose we're supposed to keep that in the back of our mind that they have these new weapons, huh? Yeah, I'm sure that will come back. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will come back. The story is that these troops are a relief for Io, so this operation is a secret. Um, Yeah, I'm General Franklin's assertion that this is going to be a quick and easy operation. It's just, that's what they always say about any operation. No one believes it. Absolutely. Oh, actually, it's the opposite. Everybody believes it every time, even though they know that it's never worked like that. Good point. It's Uh, like people always forget, you know? It's like, oh, this time it's going to be short. (laughs) That's what they say every time, yes. Yeah. Okay, this one looks like it was over fairly shortly, but it wasn't easy by any means. Well, who knows? Maybe they had to go and, like, install troops there to keep the peace and, you know... Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we only the saw aftermath. that we, we... shock and awe part of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there's so many associations to, you know, current things that have been going on and, you know, things... Throughout the ages, the this is a pattern that just repeats itself. Mm-hmm. And at least they're overtly saying, "Hey, we're doing it because we want to be, you know, close to where the Narn and the Centauri are." Ah, well, you know? that's one military person saying it to another military. Yeah, person. that's true. The government will spin it in a completely different way. Yep, we have to help them. Yeah, and, and I mean these, yeah, these real world things. I'm, having a military staging post in a fractious era area that's really advantageous and we see it all the time nowadays and it's not good news whenever it happens yeah never good news and they say that they're eventually going to have to choose a side so that would be interesting and they'll be right there mm-hmm Next, this Kefir guy we haven't seen in a while goes back to his quarters. <laughs> and he has some visitors, and they're going to be his bunkmates, which makes Kefir unhappy. I thought this thing was just horrible. I, just, I was rolling my eyes Yeah. Uh, uh, I have a problem with Kefir. I just try <laughs> and ignore him. Well, let's, Every time. Face, let's face it. Even JMS had a problem with Kefir. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. The network put pressure on him to have a hotshot pilot and... Oh my god! (laughs) He really didn't want to have this character, but the network kind of forced it on him. 
Wow. But he's barely in the show. It's so weird. Yeah. That's all he would put him in, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the network must have said, you've got to have a minimum of X amount of times, probably. And that's exactly what JMS went for. A minute, the minimum amount. Right. (laughs) Yes. I mean, like him by itself, it doesn't bother me. Like, I'm not bothered by the character. I just... He doesn't really add anything to the show at right. this point. Yeah. Well, we don't really know anything about him, and every time he shows oh up, oh my I'm god, like, his oh family's yeah, gonna show guy. up <laughs> <laughs> next week. Kefir gets a visit from god. someone from. No. Say that, Heidi. Now we're gonna get a whole backstory. Ah. <laughs> Are you related to our pilot, Kefir? You have the same last name. <laughs> Why? Yes, I am. At least then, maybe I'd remember who he is when he comes on screen. <laughs> Yeah, no. It, it, at this point, you want to see more of Clarence and you want to see more of Kepper. Oh, yeah. oh my God, Clarence! Yeah, I know he totally needs a Zeppo episode. Come on, come on, we can do this, Clarence. And we haven't seen that other girl um, that we thought was a replacement for Clara. Oh, oh well, Kepper's bunkmates. Uh, one of them is Private First Class Large. He's the big guy. Large. Okay. His name is. He's played by Ken Forey. He's. I saw he was on Kenan and Kale in the original Dawn of the Dead and Water for Elephants. And the smaller guy is Private Yang, played by Archuda Bala. He's been on a lot of sh- shows that I've seen, like Guest Appearance, Deep Space Nine, ER, Six Feet Under, Alias, House. Seems to play a lot of doctors. These two are just stereotypes, aren't they? They're, right. they're just. They they're there to fulfill a role. And you know exactly what that role's going to be. Just the whole scene was just so very cliched. Yeah. Uh, Clearly not written by JMS. <laughs> but the rest of it, even though it's not written by JMS, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Oh, the, oh there is. Larry Dutilio is, is definitely not the worst writer you can find. Dr. Franklin is talking to his father about his mother and sister and... He doesn't call home enough, kind of mm. like me. <laughs> uh, he gives <laughs> he gives his dad juice that the Marcab call Orcha. The Marcab have been mentioned a few times in this season. Yes, usually it, yes I noticed. Up Sheridan scenes. Um, they talk about General Franklin being back in danger and how Stephen Franklin is happy on B5. His father offers him to a transfer so it can do research like he did during the last war, but Franklin doesn't want to do that. He's needed on Babylon 5 to help people. His father wants him to help his own kind, and Franklin wants to help everybody, and they argue some, and General Franklin leaves. Uh, yeah, I like this. Sorry, Owen, Jan. It's okay. I, I just have... I just put one one little sentence. Oh, Franklin and Franklin. Awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing my notes. I was having trouble keeping straight who Although, I was talking about. This, this does a really good job of representing that kind of generation gap, especially when yeah. it comes to prejudice. Agreed. Yeah, I think it really did a good job, too, of setting up like a, a good background of what he went through. I mean, just the part where his dad was telling him what his sisters were doing and yeah his four sisters his four sisters and like they seem like like they're all very accomplished and you know you can kind of trace that back to the way they were raised and trying to trying to make their parents proud and 
I mean, he talked about like I, you know, I taught you to keep your bunk or whatever clean. I mean, it was just all very, you know, a lot of it wasn't very direct, but you just got a good sense of how he was raised. Oh, definitely. Oh, yes. I mean, it does such a great job to build up Franklin's history in just a very short space of time. Other mm-hmm. characters have actually had their back history and development spaced over half a season last year, and it's all been condensed into one episode, and it doesn't feel rushed at all. Yeah, you really got a lot of a sense of their differences as well. You also get a good sense of why Stephen Franklin became a doctor. Yes. Well, it seems like at least one of his sisters is also a doctor. Um, so, yeah, very accomplished. But it seems like, I mean, I don't know, I'm just guessing, but he probably, you know, wanted to strive to be, you know, something very accomplished. But then also he had this sense of needing to help. And so that kind of led him to where he was. Um, I don't know. It's and his, yes. um, you know, antagonistic relationship with his father, you know, developing his own set of beliefs and, you know, although he loves his father, trying to set himself apart as his own man. Right, but you can definitely see he still needs his father's approval, you know, and yeah. that kind of relationship comes a lot when you don't get your parents' approval very much. Um, and you still strive for it, you know, because his dad himself is very, very accomplished. And... So you have the sense of getting approval from someone who's very accomplished, but also somebody who is supposed to love you and and give you support. And you're not always probably getting that. So there's definitely a war between needing his approval and rejecting his non-approval. Is this where he calls his father a murderer? I think so, yeah. I think that's a genius. Over in Med Bay, Bonava brings a lot of troops in and wants to board people there. And Dr. Franklin's a little cranky and doesn't want this to happen. Seems kind of weird, though, to want to shack people up in the med bay. I guess they don't have anywhere else. Mm, yeah. Yeah, if there's a bunch of empty space, it, it makes sense. I thought it was funny how grouchy he was being. I bet there's a ton of hotels that just suddenly got a load of... Well, not exactly customers, just got told, you're having these soldiers here. Deal right. with it. I bet... I thought Ivanova handled it well, though. Like, she didn't get combative. She's just like, you know, you're not u- you're not usually like this. You know, tell me what's going on. Again, a uh, lot of psychology in this episode. A lot of dealing with people's issues. Yeah. And- that, was a good, that was a very good scene, yes. The soldier bossing everybody around. We saw him earlier, the maggot guy. Mm-hmm. He's also kind of a cliche character. Oh, he, he definitely is. Plug played by Ryan Cutrona. Now, his dad was in the army and he was around the military a lot, so he gets a lot of military roles. He was born at West Point. He played Betty Draper's father on Mad Men, mm. 24 in the West Wing. Mind you, you say he's cliche. I met those, t- those kinds. Uh, well, I suppose cliches are cliches for a reason. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, uh, Ivanova and Franklin are talking, and she gets called to the dome, and they agree to meet later on at the eclipse. So later we're at the eclipse, and he's talking about how his childhood was, and he had a his father was hard on him, and he wasn't there much, and they often wonder whether his father was alive or de- dead. 
and Daddy Franklin was okay for a while when Steven joined Earth Force, but now they hardly talk. And Ivanova encourages him to talk to his father while he can because of her relationship with her father. Yeah, he couldn't have been anyone else but Ivanova. And this is great character consistency. And, you know, it might have been a bit of an odd thing to have had um, Ivanova's father die at the start of that last season. But you kind of need that to get to this point where she's able to help someone else. Yes. Yeah, it does help. (laughs) And because of what uh, Ivanova says, Franklin figures out that these troops aren't bound for Io. Next, Delenn is speaking to Garibaldi. She doesn't like how all the troops are there, but she says they need a place for peace. And she talks about how she hasn't had any luck getting Londo and Jakar to negotiate, but they have to continue trying. Uh, Garibaldi here is screaming and he has to go. Well, um, before we go too much further, I'd just like to point out we actually have Delenn in this episode... It could have been all too easy to just have a human-only episode and not have any appearance from any of our ambassadors. Mm-hmm. True. Right, yeah. But, it, but it, it does provide continuity. Oh, it definitely does. And it makes sense that it's Delenn because of the history between humans and Membari. Yes. Right. Yes. There's a thread of xenophobia through this episode, even General Franklin. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Well, you're about to come to um, this whole xenophobia thing, aren't you, Will, with what's... Yeah. So uh, after Garibaldi leaves, Delenn gets stopped by some soldiers. The leader is Private Kleiss, who's played by Morgan Hunter. He was in The Usual Suspects. And he said they're wondering what Delenn is. And she tells them she's Minbari, but she doesn't look like a Minbari. He says that she needs a good lesson. And but Delenn gets rescued by Dodger from who we saw earlier, and she kicks their butt. <laughs> she does indeed. <laughs> yeah, this is the other BSG reference. This Dodger really feels like um, a predecessor to yeah to Clara yes. Starbuck Thrace. She really is. Yes. So Delenn goes to tell Garibaldi what's going on, and then Plug comes in and breaks up the fight and. Garibaldi asked him to overlook the fight. Okay, when uh, when those men are, I guess, harassing Delenn, I was not sure how dark this show was going to go. Right. I was very worried for her, and I was yes. like, they wouldn't go there, would they? And But yeah, I, I really thought it was going to end badly. And I, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, this guy... He must have felt right at home with Home Guard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we haven't heard about them in a while. No, but it made me think of those. Yeah. No, that was very uncomfortable. But it's the sort of person you would get in this sort of... Uh, I don't want to be, you know, overly generalistic, but you do get a few people like this who go into the military to fight the people they hate so they can get into a good fight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, think about it. 25,000 people, there will be a few. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. B5 doesn't show away from things. Sorry. Yeah, and they didn't know who she was. They just knew that she was Membari with hair. Yeah. 
And he's old enough to have fought in the um, Earth-Membari War from the looks of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he'd still be carrying around that grudge. Uh, he, was even, he was even talking about it. Yeah. The Battle of the Line. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't think there were any Gropos in Battle of the Line. It was a space battle. <laughs> true, true. But he was referring to it uh, quite uh, extensively. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah, Dodger can kick ass pretty well. <laughs> she I'd took on so. three people alone, single-handedly. So Dodger goes to find Garibaldi, wants to know why he did it. It was because Delenn told him what happened. He gets a call about another incident, and she says that she'll see him around and mm. see. <laughs> yeah. She likes to watch him leave, apparently. Very yeah. <laughs> Star yeah. again. Yeah. I, I, I know I'm harping on at this, but I really do see... I mean, even if... Um, there's no direct correlation. There's definitely a cultural one, and the two of them are get on, I reckon. You know, okay, one's, you know, in the airport, the other's a ground powder, but I think they'd get on. <laughs> or they'd fight a lot, either way. Oh, uh, yeah, either <laughs> way. Either way, it'd be fun. <laughs> so Sheridan and General Franklin are discussing strategy. Looks like the general was lied to by the Shalassin about how easy this was going to be. Sheridan wants him to call the whole thing off, but they're not going to because the Shalassins are going to let Earth establish a presence in that part of the galaxy, which is close to the Narn and Centauri, and they, Earth wants to be ready for whatever happens. Well, even if they don't do anything, they can. it's easier for them to listen into military traffic, you know? Yeah. It's as, you know... It's a militarily strategic and smart thing to do. It's just, yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Yes, very. Enter Dr. Franklin, who comes to speak to his father. He says he didn't mean what he says. And General Franklin, like, I didn't raise you to say what you didn't mean. <laughs> so Dr. Franklin is dismissed. And the general asked Sheridan if he felt like a murderer when he destroyed the Black Star. Sheridan doesn't have a good answer, but he knows that killing is a part of war in general, which is his son would realize that. And then Sheridan defends Dr. Franklin, and General Franklin seems to be impressed. Sheridan talks about how he and his father clashed at times, but they never stopped talking or loving each other. What did you make of this bit of thing for um, Sheridan then? Mm, I guess just the more background character building. Yes. Well... I kind of almost saw it as there is actually a little bit of um, uh, I already said Sinclair, I meant Sheridan <laughs> I was going to say it, it seems like they, even though they're two different characters um, and they would come at this uh, two different ways in in some ways uh, Sheridan's a bit of a philosopher as well uh, you know well we, we've seen hint, hints of that before yeah, whereas Sinclair, he's a full-blown diplomatic philosopher. And it's it's nicer, although they're separate characters, there's still elements that kind of relate both of them. So, yes, you know, it makes it easier to relate to um, Sheridan, I think, um, if you're used to Sinclair. Yeah. Perhaps I'm wrong, because you're not really saying anything. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just trying to think about what I... Th- think of Sheridan because 
I don't know what it is, but when he's talking like that, I I don't see much behind the eyes. I just I'm just trying to see like him thinking through things through as he's talking, but he just says the line so fast and then smiles that it's <laughs> and I'm and I'm <laughs> the smile. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the smile. I mean, obviously he's okay. a very intelligent guy that has that's very thoughtful and he knows how to deal with people or and, and aliens. He, and, and he's a very fast thinker. I guess because yep. he just comes out with something really intelligent, and there's no pauses. There's no. I mean, it's just like I don't know. It, it's that's TV, obviously, but um, and, and again, remember the whole smiling thing is another note from the network that they wanted him to smile a lot. So it's kind of Check. an acting decision that's kind of been taken out of his hands. Yeah, <laughs> that is weird. Um, but yeah no I mean he's definitely very good as in that role as very diplomatic and you can tell that he has some kind of you know he has a good opinion of obviously Dr. Franklin and you know what he said was probably the perfect thing to say so he doesn't really mess up a lot so yeah he's not jumping in um, jumping in fighter planes to go out and (laughs) save everybody (laughs) yeah he's kind of on the ball most of the time though he does have a guess up i mean we did see his little stubbornness uh-huh. a few episodes ago yes next we see garibaldi talking to lou welch in the zocalo dodger comes up and wants garibaldi to show her around she wants to see a good restaurant and his quarters i have to say that lou was pretty good in this episode i i yeah. liked lou because he knew what was going on, like here and at the end when he gives Garibaldi that list. You know, he had some good, yeah. uh, you know, expressions on his face and yes, like <laughs> like we don't need you, Garibaldi. Just go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, the next scene, we see them go into Garibaldi's quarters. You can tell Garibaldi's trying to delay, but she's being aggressive. Uh, finally, Garibaldi stops it, and he tells her about how weird his personal life has been with Lise Hampton and Talia, and he doesn't want to blow things by moving too fast, and she doesn't like this. She says she wasn't looking for a romance, and she storms out. I mean... Um, yeah, go ahead, Heidi, go ahead. Um, up until this point, I was, like, liking this character pretty well, and then... I felt like here she just went totally crazy, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what, what, what's going on?" <laughs> on I know. The other, yeah. On the but, other hand, if you know or, or suspect that this might be the last time, oh no, I get that she would be annoyed with what he said or whatever, but she like really overplayed it. Like she was uh-huh. very, very aggressive. Yes. Yeah, like he's sharing I, too much at this point. You know, like I, I get kind of where she's coming from it was just so completely over the top yeah uh, uh i know what you mean by over the top but it's just we don't get time to find out more about this character so that's Unlike, actually my problem yeah. that i'll because talk about I, later but i just think you know if we had more context for this character this would have made sense and would have been quite as problematic, but I could definitely, again, see Starbuck pulling this, but with Starbuck, you know more about her. You can see the context why she's reacting like that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's not as problematic. With Dodger here, It's it comes out of nowhere, and you've got no idea why she's acting like this. I mean, 
mean, we get a good sense of it. It's just that it was unacceptable the way she reacted. Because let's think about it. Let's change the genders, you know? If, oh, yeah. If she was a man and Garibaldi was a woman and Garibaldi said, no, I want to take it slowly. And and he, he reacted that way. I mean, he would be like a villain. Yeah. But, you know, hmm. here she's yeah. just, um, she's just, I mean, maybe she could have explained it, you know, and maybe they could have come to some agreement. I don't know. But um, she just, you know, obviously she was hurt and upset, but she did take, she just did it the wrong way. Yeah. Well, at least we get a scene down the line where she, she apologizes for her actions. Yeah. Right. She realized that she overreacted. Yeah. Which you wouldn't get from Starbucks, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting what the, because <clears throat> I was trying to figure out if he was referring to Talia. Um, because he just yeah. said somebody I'd never thought I could be with or something. Yeah, I was too. So it wasn't I think, overt. Sorry. But, no, no, sorry. I was just saying, I think that's what we're supposed to assume. I mean, I couldn't figure out who else it would be. So Right. After this, we see some more Gropos marching through a corridor, and Ivanova and Sheridan are on their way to C&C. They talk about how the docking schedule is back on track and how Mrs. Connolly isn't happy about the overtime hours. I'm glad they mentioned her. Yeah, Rob, you, you remember the episode? Wait, what? You yeah, Miss Connolly was the head. She was one representing the dock workers in By Any Means oh, Necessary. Oh, that's right. Nice little throwback. Yeah, if I had caught it. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're going to try to get the worker some time off with pay. Now, again, another... If you hadn't got the colony reference, you get the... And if you remember by any means necessary, you get this idea, yeah, they're paying attention to the dockers. Right. Because, uh, yeah, they didn't have to have that in there. They could have just flown straight past it. But, yeah, it's just a nice I, uh, tip of the hat, as Yan was saying. Yeah, I like it. Continuity. The new defense system is in place, and it's pretty impressive. But Sheridan hopes they don't really have to test it against a warship. They don't end up having to do that. They've come under attack before, so maybe... Mm. <laughs> this one um, note that I read somewhere like, why are they just now getting a defense system? They've been under attack before. Yeah. Maybe it takes time and money, I don't know. So General Franklin goes to see Dr. Franklin. He apologizes for being rude, says, talks about how he wasn't there for him when he was growing up, but Stephen has no right to call him a murderer. And they talk about, this is a conversation, soldiers and death, fathers and sons, and yes. blah, blah. Mm. And Stephen, I, I wasn't interested in this scene. So <laughs> the father, the contentious father-son relationship just didn't interest me, maybe. No. I, I, Maybe hit too close to home. I, oh. I did like I did like the um, uh, little uh, mirror image of I'm not finished yet. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, Steve kind of stands up for himself and tells his dad that he loves him, and they hug. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything you haven't seen before, I guess. No, no, but it also just reinforces Stephen's character development again. In the two scenes together, you know, work. It's just the later scene doesn't add too much to the first. And I didn't hate Dr. Dr. Franklin in this episode, so there's that. Yeah. 
and now going forward you have this episode in mind to you know understand where he's coming from Mm, yeah but you still have to be responsible for your own actions so oh yeah of course you do of course you do (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) as long as he still has that card he's a skeezy guy (laughs) (laughs) well you didn't see it in this episode you saw a pretty big sofa that someone could have easily slept on. <laughs> not offering up his room. Would you want those people in your room, though? Man, they're so, no. <laughs> like, fighting all the time. That's crazy. Well, yeah, I'd like to see what Ivana would do if somebody had to sleep with him. Oh, my God. <laughs> 30 credits, no, please. <laughs> well, I think he, General Franklin, has his nickname for a reason. Firestorm. Hmm. Well, Firestorm as a nickname and Sudden Death as a um, code phrase for your mission. Yes. There's not very much subtlety there. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you're nicknaming your operation Sudden Death, you know what to expect. (laughs) Yes. A lot of it. In the casino, Large and Yang are talking to Kefir. Large is telling another story, and he goes off to the latrine and some more chatting, and, and they talk about being scared in a war. And this, Trying yeah, this to give an... Kefir character development. We can skip yeah. straight past it until the point. <laughs> yeah, this is something we haven't seen before. Like, you know, I'm, like, should you be scared in the war? Like, if you're not scared, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So Garibaldi finds Dodger and she apologizes, says that sometimes she wants things too bad. <laughs> oh, my mind went to a dirty place when she said that. <laughs> she has a bad feeling about this tour and she doesn't think they're going to IO. And because General Franklin would never do a coffee and cake mm. run, they called it. Yeah, and, and she calls um, Garibaldi here on his abilities to kind of bluff. Yeah. <laughs> or or his not lack of yeah. Right. Oh yeah, and I think maybe that's only when he's got a bluff to a pretty woman, or a woman he fancies at least. Because he couldn't uh, bluff when it came to Talia either. No, but she was a telepath. <laughs> yes, but that's not why he could tell he was lying. No, not really. I know, but I, I just had to put that one in. <laughs> So Kefir is telling a story that nobody cares about, and <laughs> he accidentally hits Kleist, the guy that was harassing Delin earlier, and he's a jerk, and a fight breaks out. Of course it does. You, <laughs> you've got to have a bar and brawl in episodes like this. It's At standard. three, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Dodger went, like, with her berserker rage. She was... Yeah. <laughs> So the and subtitle of, of this got... episode is like soldiers fight again. Yeah. <laughs> again. And of course you've got the um cliche bar woman up on a table with a bottle smashing some guy over the head. <laughs> oh. They were all there, I think. Yeah. Plug, Sheridan and Frank uh General Franklin come in and stop the fight and Franklin orders them to move out and Dodger's ready to go. Kevin's gonna miss his two new buddies for Franklin offers to punish those involved with Sheridan, just ready for them to get out and be on their way. So next, Franklin is ready to leave with his troops. They're boarding. 
Sheridan hopes he's wrong about how hard it's going to be to take out the target. And then the two Franklins talk privately, and they're getting along better. General says they'll talk when he gets back and urges Stephen to call his mother and sisters. So at this point, when he said, we'll talk when I get back, did you think something was going to happen to him? I just, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Gonna... <coughs> Excuse me. So Garibaldi finds Dodger, tells her to be careful because he wants to see her back. They kiss, and she leaves, and then everybody else leaves the station. That was a cute scene with um, her commanding officer, like, just yeah, watching, trying to get her to leave, and then he just kind yeah. of smiling at the end. Yeah. He breaks the cliche for a moment, and it, it's, it's nicely done. Good bit of directing, I think, there. I think so. So after this, we see a bunch of people around the TV watching a news report of what's going on. They go live to Actor, where General Franklin's speaking. They've taken control of the stronghold. Most of the rebel leaders have been killed or captured, and they expect a complete surrender soon. But General Franklin gets a call and has to leave. So at this point, this is where I'm thinking, okay, this is where he's going to die. Right, (laughs) yes. That's what I thought, too. What I got from this, actually, is what he's trying to say at the end, where, you know, at a great cost of human life, he was probably going to say. Um He probably, yeah, the impression is he, his conversation with Stephen affected him in such a way that he thinks it's worthwhile pointing that out. That's the impression I got, anyway. So after this, uh, Lou Welch hands Garibaldi and Keffer a casualty report that they look at. We cut to the planet and we see a lot of deceased soldiers including Dodger, Large, Yang and even Kleist. Yeah, all of the uh, Gropos we've gotten to know are dead. Yeah, thanks a lot episode. Yeah, that was very <laughs> kind. Thanks. Except Actually, this is this is where my problem comes in with okay. Dodger, is that okay, you bring this character in, you want me to really, really like her just so that you can kill her off. I would feel much better about this if you brought her in and made me like her over a series of episodes. Oh, definitely. Because to me now, it's just like, okay, well, yeah, she was kind of cool in that one moment or maybe those two moments. Okay, whatever. She died. (laughs) I mean, I don't really have any sort of attachment at all. What would have been nice would have been her coming on board with, say, a very small group of Gropos early in the season, developing this relationship with Garibaldi and then, you know, being assigned to uh, Franklin's unit and having to ship out. Right, yeah. And as much as I curse Joss Whedon for the way (laughs) that he brings me in and makes me love people and then kills them off, it's the emotion that makes it better. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like, I get what he's trying to do, but you don't really get to know these characters well enough to... yeah I think I think it's the time this was produced and JMS could have done a better job here it's not completely the age in which the TV was produced but it's a lot of it if JMS <coughs> re- remade the series today I think perhaps Dodger would have been a main character from the beginning mm-hmm. or at least an occasional character a, uh, a recurring one yeah yeah. I don't know, can I alter can I offer like a an alternate viewpoint on this? Like to me, 
I thought it was it did what it needed to do in terms of showing how like basically the theme of the episode was kind of like you know what was it Sheridan says you know one truth about war people die and I thought it was you know like somebody's decision somebody well removed from the battlefield is making a decision to send people to do something and they're some of them are going to die and it's people you don't know so we have to as an audience we're kind of like in that position we don't know these people we're kind of like seeing a little bit of them but i thought but i think if we if we knew them more their death would be more about them and not about the concept of these are all individuals some of them are horrible people some of them are you know loud and obnoxious but harmless and some of them are hurt or um scared but they're all people and in order to to show that you have to show m- multiple different people but I see, yeah i see what you mean yeah death is indiscriminate right and it's like you have to think about this like when you make these kind of decisions yet you, you turn off your brain that says these are people you know you say okay well here's the strategic place we want to be like we want to be here and we want to be close to the narn and centauri and yeah it, we're gonna we're gonna we're going to do it quick. We're going to, it should be easy for us. But at the same time, there are still going to be people that die. And if we had, if it was people that we had been seeing for multiple episodes, or if we had really known them, then the focus would have been on, Oh, you know, these characters that we loved died rather than these people died. You know, these, I don't know. That's just how I took it, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's not where it was going. I don't know. Mm. Maybe there's a middle ground to have been found, you know, um, because Elizabeth, your point is absolutely right in trying to show the indiscriminate nature of death and the fact that war is death. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you want that extra connection to at least one of the characters. Uh, Sorry, Heidi. I was just going to say, Elizabeth, I like your point and your thinking about this because it actually does give it more meaning within the episode rather than, mm-hmm. you know, me just thinking, okay, I really don't care that this happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess also it's like, it also shows how each person could, could be meaningful to other people, you know, like yeah. even in the short time that Dodger knew Garibaldi, like he was very sad, you know? And so this decision not only affects, these individual soldiers, but then it ripple affects everybody they know, um, you know, and, and it just takes away everything that they've ever been. So this guy that had been in the service for 25 years, I don't know. I just kind of like all his war stuff. stories and yeah. his old war buddy that he was keeping alive through war stories. Mm-hmm. It's gone, you know, it's gone. And even the young rookie is dead as well. So even the stories can't continue. Right, yeah. So, you know, I kind of, I think that kind of hits where I I like that kind of thing, like just thinking about that, because there, you show they show not, not just the grunt side of things, but also the command side of things, and how they can't think about that. You notice the, um, the only interactions that command staff has with the grunts is either to yell at them or just really nothing, you know? Um, mm. It's so far removed. And also... All too often on shows, you'd get that you might get a shot like this, but you get to that last person and they gasp and oh. <laughs> struggle off. And it, that's there to say, look, there's hope. Look, it's not futile after all. Whereas this, no. 
It kind oh, of no, is. This, this, and, and by the way, I like, I like, I really like the cinematography of the of that last scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, including, including up and up to and including Christopher Frankie's music for it. It really underscores the whole thing. Ah, uh, definitely. Even that last shot of Kefir at the end, even though. Even though we don't like him too much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There yeah. must be other reasons why you guys hate him. Because I, I don't mean, I, I, you know, he's just okay to me. He's not. For me, he's just kind of forgettable. Like I yeah. said, I don't really remember him every time he shows up. I'm like, I don't not. recognize him. Who is he? Okay, oh. okay. Maybe we're being harsh on him, but we're not. No, we're not. We're not being too harsh on him. I, I'm sure you have reasons. <laughs> Not as bad as Talia, but yeah. Okay, well, you've got Talia, I've got Capitate, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my reason for hating her is sort of irrational, but you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Just don't make an episode centered on both of them. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and then bring um, What's His Name back for a guest appearance as well. Um, I don't know what you mean. Who's What's His Name? <laughs> Talia's ex-husband. Oh, Stona. Oh, Which one? <laughs> no. Yeah, all three of them in an episode. Please <laughs> yeah. oh. no. Yes. So that's all I have for this episode. Ready to move to quotes of the week? Do you mind if I start with quotes? Because I really only have the one. Okay. And of course it's Clarence. I know <laughs> you two wanted this, but it's the only one I have. There is no night in two space. And time is... Is a meaningless concept if you think about it. <laughs> oh, Clarence. Okay, Clarence. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of a pessimist there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose working underneath um, Ivanova, <laughs> you know, with yeah. her old yeah. Ivanova you... is God. <laughs> <laughs> I have one from Delin that I thought was cool. She says... We are all slaves to our histories. If there is to be a bright future, we must learn to break those chains. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an Ivanova. No traffic, no complaints, no noise. Traders, troublemakers, and ambassadors all tucked snugly in their little beds. I love this time of night. He's <laughs> trying to imagine someone oh. tucking Bondo and Jakar into their beds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the role of... Um... Lon, uh, sorry, Rear um, Rear in the Toth, yeah. <laughs> you know, bringing, uh, Londo a, a cup of warm milk, bringing, um, Jakar, um, well, I was gonna say he's bevy of beauties. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Roman candles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I have. How many matches do you think Jakar goes through in a. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have one. And that's a Sharon. Uh, there's only one truth about war. People die. Killing is part of the soldier's job. We can't deny it. We can only live with it and hope for the reasons for doing it are justified. Well, you're a fountain of joy, aren't you, Jan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have, um, what the stroking hell is going on here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or sorry, stroking H. What the stroking uh, H is going on here? Any other quotes? Nice butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a very short and nice quote. <laughs> That's my favorite this week. <laughs> Forgot about it. Any others? 
Oh, maybe the exchange uh, between Ivanova and Franklin. What's the matter? I've never seen you like this before. Franklin, it's my father. The general? The general. Old Firestorm. Hmm. Yeah. All right, let's move to characters of the week. Who's our human of the week? And there are a lot. There are at least 25,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about number 23,842? <laughs> Part of me wants to give it to Dodger. Yeah, me I mean, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be okay. Yeah, for yes. especially for the uh, uh, getting Dylan out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right, that's actually Dodger. something I would have liked to have seen. You know, kind of a scene between Dylan and Dodger. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Or Dodger and Ivanova, maybe. Mm-hmm. Could have been buddies, fighting buddies. Natalia, <laughs> they could be rivals. <laughs> we, 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 can't, we can't choose Ivanova every time, can we? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to put. Dodger, Private, Derriman. So I'll remember. Um, who's our alien of the week? There's not much choice, is there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that Delenn, even, even in the face of adversity, she can be so uh, scary. <laughs> so, yeah, Delenn. 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 All right, let's move to episode ratings. Want to start us off, Yan? Yes. Uh, Franklin said that episodes, it works. Feels mm, a bit lacking after last week, of course. So I give it a 7.5 out of 10 father-son relationships. Cool. What do you say, Heidi? Um, I wasn't too into the Franklin and Franklin um story but i guess it did kind of grow the character a little bit and once again didn't hate dr franklin this episode (laughs) so that's got to be a little bit of a plus um and the other story elizabeth you actually brought it up a little bit for me because i hadn't looked at it that way and i'm feeling a little better about it so i'm gonna go i think also a seven out of ten um, three men in a single occupancy room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, this is a hard one for me actually to rate. Um, the first time I watched it, I was just it was just okay. Like I wasn't really looking forward to watching it again and taking notes. I thought I had you know sort of got everything I needed to get out of it. Um, but I'm glad I did go through it slowly the second time because. I don't know. I actually quite enjoyed it the second time. Um, I mean, it doesn't really add much to the story for the season, but, and it does have some, you know, eye rolly things, um, you know, like that scene that we talked about in Kefir's quarters or maybe some of the way the fight started, but um, I don't know. I, it's something about it. Just maybe the, you could tell that there's an overall sort of theme going on or, or the way it ended, maybe. I mean, I liked seeing everybody watching the ISN report, and I liked that, you know. I really, really liked the way that Lou gave Garibaldi that list. I don't know what about that. It was very poignant to me, but... Um, mm-hmm. So, even though there were some things I didn't really care for, overall, I thought it was good. So, yeah. I'm going to give it a seven um, paintings of Daffy Duck over the bed. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was cute. <laughs> so, what do you say to you? Yeah, oh, I do like this. 
I, it, as everyone says, after last week, it's very difficult for something to live up to the mm-hmm. new standards of this show. And so I, I'm glad you've got an episode like this. It's it, it gives you a chance to feel out the new dynamic of where things feel like they're heading. I do like how you've got the whole end message and Dodger's a cool character. I like getting character development for Stephen Franklin. So I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten sudden death operations. And let me be clear, however, a 7.5 before the coming of shadows is a very different 7.5 after the coming of shadows. <laughs> yes. It's kind of changed the r- rules and ratings, I think. How do you mean? Um, because although I've seen this show before, the coming of shadows has kind of shifted the series a bit. And I, I don't know. This 7.5 for me feels like a higher 7.5 than some of the previous 7.5s I've given, but it's still a 7.5 in comparison to last week's episode and where, you know, and the experience I've got with Babylon 5, but it's all too easy to forget the coming of shadows and what an impact that makes. And yeah, it's 7.5 just because I know where things are going and it deserves a 7.5 because it's a very good episode, but in comparison to the coming of shadows, there's that much difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I like that one. It, sorry. I know that's kind of a bit of an odd logic to explain, but it's the only way I can explain it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, for me, this episode, I just, I was very mad on this episode. I didn't really, well, there's a lot of things that were cliched, and normally I'm fine with cliche and things we've seen time and time again, but for some reason this episode was bothering me. It was sort of weird feelings about it. I didn't really like the Franklin stuff, and I like the Dodger character, but there were a few times where you had me kind of rolling my eyes, and a lot of the other characters were the same way. But at the end, hearing Elizabeth talk about it and her reasoning made me, it brought my score up a little bit. So I'd give it seven and a half out of ten massive brawls. Nice. So our total scores is 7.3. Okay. It's not bad at all. No, and I think this show has, it's just more sophisticated now. I think comparing, yeah, I mean, I just think that we have much richer experience with these characters, you know. Um, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but I mean, well, it has. I think it has, you couldn't have had this episode in season one. It would have been a completely different feel. Like to me, it wouldn't have been as impactful. I think. I don't well, know. that's just probably right. Because probably in season one, we would have been like, "Why are we focusing on these random characters when we could be learning more about, you know, the characters that we are still learning about?" But now that we have a really good background on a lot of these characters. You know, and still improving that. Right, exactly. You still have this, you know, Franklin stuff. So. Okay, well, let's get in a purple ship and head <laughs> over to Feedback Land. I'm sure Londo is driving it this week. Oh, where are the landing <laughs> That's thrusters? Where he is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, and you had some information about the Hugo Award that yes. Babylon Five won. Yes, two things. 
that it, at the time, in 1996, the best dramatic presentation was just one category. So anything that film, TV, audio uh, would be would go into that and compete. Uh, later, they have uh, split it up in, in short form and long form. I think short form is less than 90 minutes and uh, essentially includes TV TV series and long form, essentially films. Or, although there are audio productions that have been uh, uh, been uh, set up for for audio, but Coming of Shadows was was up against the following: Apollo 13, Star Trek DS9, The Visitor. Oh, yes, Toy Story. Okay. And finally, Twelve Monkeys. Huh. That, that's quite a competition. Yeah, it definitely is. The Visitor is one of their best, D-Space Nine's best episodes, one of my favorites. Yeah. Compare it to Coming of Shadows, just... though. I'm sorry? Compare it to The Coming of Shadows, though? No. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I put them right up there together. Maybe Coming of Shadows has an edge, because it's... <laughs> it's B5. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sorry, Elizabeth, you were about to say something? Uh, No, I was just wondering, the Hugo Award is fantasy and science fiction. Fantasy, science fiction, and horror. Okay. Yeah. Like trying to figure out how Toy Story fits into this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of fantasy in a way. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah, of course, but it's just weird. <laughs> but it was interesting. That that's good. That's it's pretty good. It's very interesting as well because Joss Whedon wrote either some of the script or did the final polish on Toy Story, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So that's what I hear. Ooh. Yeah. So I like the fact that JMS and Josh Whedon are kind of competing. Yeah, have competed. I, can't, I don't know the history of Hugo's, but I think uh, Buffy might have been nominated a few times. I think so, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not certain. Wouldn't surprise me. All right, our first piece of feedback is from Board Ninety Nine. I'll take that one. The obvious question here is, do Heidi and Elizabeth feel better about Dr. Franklin's many lapses in professional and other ethics now that they know that it's all tied to his crippling daddy issues? No. Mm, no. <laughs> we don't give excuses here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> On Gropos itself, this episode is fashioned out of pure cliche, and yet I like it. I think it's because now that B5 has actually embarked on telling a story about war, even though Earth isn't directly involved in the war, it's a great moment to tell little stories about how wartime brings people together for short periods of time and then separates them again. For all that it's for all that it's what the station is supposedly for, there have been remarkably few stories so far about people meeting for the first time, especially compared to people from a character's past turning up all of a sudden. Good point. Oh yeah. Of course, well, hit the wrong button. No, I can't scroll back up. Okay. <laughs> of course, Franklin's story doesn't fit the pattern of the other two. That may contribute to why it's the weakest of the three subplots, at least for me, even though it's clearly meant to be the A plot. It's also really cliche. <laughs> Good performance from the actor playing Franklin here, though. Hair? I think it meant father. Oh, Franklin. Okay, Franklin's father, though. But the other two stories are decent pieces of work, and the fact that they're low-key and small-scale makes them work as studies in how the machinery of huge events catches ordinary individuals up and, as it turns out, kills them. 
Kefir's story is particularly nice in that it finally gives a little attention to a neglected character. Well, thank you, Vord. Cheers, Thanks, Vord. Vord. Thanks. And uh, they really, he really liked the Kefir story, so we got, <laughs> we got it from all sides on this one. Everybody has different things they like. Our next piece of feedback is from a first-timer here. It's Nick. Who wants to read Nick's email? I'll take Nick, who's at the end we find out he's in the UK, so... You know, he could be from any part, but at least my accent will be a little bit closer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a long-time B5 fan who started listening to your podcast a few months ago. Although the first season does have its moments, I'm so happy we're into season two, where things are starting to take off. Gropos may not be a particular arc-heavy episode, but it's not only one of my favourite episodes of the season, it's one of my favourite episodes of the entire series. You can break this episode down into just four stories. We have the overall story that Earth Force are flexing their muscles again, getting involved in a smaller conflict to ultimately gain a strategic position close to the Narn and Centauri. I also took this as Earth Force's way of reminding everyone that they are still a major player in the galaxy. Yes. We have Franklin's relationship with his father. This, show, this episode shows more story for Dr. Franklin, and I'm hoping that this, along with the last few episodes, is really starting to convince the ambassadors what a good character he is. He isn't perfect by any means, but then again, who is? We get a bit more story than we're used to from our flyboy, Lieutenant Keffer, who's made some new friends. This was not a big story, but enough to care about what happened to these guys, or at least I did anyway. Lastly, we have Garibaldi, who wouldn't know a one-night stand if he looked it up in a dictionary. <laughs> He reminds us that he's not had the best of luck with his love life, and by the end of the episode, not much has changed. Oh, harsh. Well, yeah. he's in good company, because pretty much nobody has the best love life on this mm, right? Not really. <laughs> yeah. I think the final scene of the episode was played out very well by the cast, and the music really suited it. You make me feel... A slight bit of relief when we get to see Franklin's dad alive. And victory is assured, but the first casualty report comes in and the look on Garibaldi and Kepper's faces say it all. The episode ends with a moving shot of all our fallen characters, which leaves somewhat of a bitter taste, but... Who said all sci-fi shows had to have a happy ending, right? Mm-hmm. Best quote, General Richard Franklin. I had an Alfredo Garibaldi under my command during the Dilgar invasion. Excellent soldier, Michael Garibaldi. That was my dad. General Franklin, so much for genetics. Ouch. Yes, I remember, I remember that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alien of the week, Delenn being the only one... To make an appearance. Yeah, we kind of said that. Human of the Week, the Sergeant Major. I <laughs> love the looks he gives Garibaldi after he gets kissed. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something there. <laughs> yeah, Adri said great direction there. Um, rating, 9 out of 10, Bar and Brawls. Keep up the good work, guys. Nick from the UK. And thank you, thank Nick. You, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Hope you keep sending us feedback. Yeah, do. Oh, definitely do. Our next piece of feedback is from Lori. Who wants to take that one? I can take that one. Um, hello, commanders, ambassadors, and visitors to the station. Unfortunately, we had a very busy week, and Carl did not have a chance to watch, so you only get my more boring reactions for today. I will try. I never put- boring. Yeah. I will try to put Carl's ratings in Facebook when he catches up this week sometime. I was not aware that this episode is not highly thought of, as was mentioned in the Facebook group, but it is one I remembered clearly and had quite an emotional reaction to. I like the follow-up storyline to the last episode as it relates to Earth's reaction to the war. I do think this seems to be consistent with what we have learned so far about EarthGov. It is not surprising that they are overly concerned about an alien war and want to secure some prime real estate. I am not sure what the ambassadors will think of another family visitor, however. (laughs) I liked the actor playing Franklin's father and thought the chemistry between him and Stephen was quite good. It seems a bit cliche, but it is so common for fathers and sons to become estranged that I think it worked. It also helps to explain where Dr. Franklin gets his strong views and fervent ideology. We also get additional confirmation that many in the military, from generals to gropos, are not fond of aliens. Where do the ambassadors think this will go in the war? In general, I like to focus on the different gropos and seeing the average soldier playing their part in history, where they are not all in control and do not even have an idea of what part they are playing. I liked liked Dodger, as well as the bonding of Kefir with the Gropos in his quarters. I felt real sympathy for Garibaldi and Kefir looking at the casualty list. That end scene from the planet was really heartbreaking. Rating 8.3 out of 10 absent fathers. Alien, Delenn, for her one, as always, excellent scene. Human, Dodger. I'm quite sure someone got this, but, quote, nice butt. Lori. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to guess here on Carl's Human of the Week. I reckon it will be Gropo number 1023. (laughs) I was trying to read the names on all of their tags, even the ones that didn't have speaking parts, so maybe it'll be one of of those guys. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Lori. Cheers, Lori. And it's not boring. Your reactions are not boring, by the way. That's right. Oh, no, not at all. Well, that's all the feedback for this week, folks. If you want to leave us feedback, send mail or MP3 file to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or leave us an iTunes review or leave us a comment on the website or leave us a comment on Facebook. Yay! So now it's time for predictions. The name of the next episode is All Alone in the Night. What mm. night? There's no night in space. <laughs> no night in space. It's Clarence's episode. It's <laughs> concept, yeah. And the, other question, and the other question will be, who will be all alone in the night? Well, isn't the, in the credits, aren't they talking about Babylon 5 as being all alone in the night? Shining it, it's, in like, yes. it's, it's, a, it's It's echoing that quote, yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. When I first heard this, I thought... Of space spiders, <laughs> obviously, because <laughs> everything makes me think of space spiders. Space spiders. 
<laughs> and I was thinking that maybe Londo is all alone in the night because no one likes him anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I like that one. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, I know that that he only uses his titles as metaphors, but I don't care. I'm just going to, like, say that because Babylon 5 is in the credits as All Alone in the Night, that it's about Babylon 5 being, like, cut off or something. Like, maybe cut off from communications or something like that. And um, They have to... I don't know. It's Babylon 5 being cut off from something, maybe. Like, either cut off um, in how they think about something, or cut off it with actual physical like communications um somehow they stand out from other things i don't know it's very vague but that's my guess cool and um along with this episode i guess that we'll have to see earth taking a side in the narn if they took a side heidi who do you think they would side with hmm that's tough because it's a good question isn't it it really is um whichever side is going to benefit them more if yeah. they win is the thing. So I'm like, where, like, is there, is there really good trade going on with one or the other? Is there, what's the motive that, because that has to be how they would pick a side. It's not for like the justice for the Narns or, you know, right. they're not going <laughs> to pick a side there. So I feel like I'm not sure that I have enough information to decide that because we don't know much about EarthGov and... You're playing it safe. <laughs> I am, but I really think that. <laughs> like, I I really don't feel like I have enough to go on as far as, like, the economy and what the Centauri bring and what the Narn bring and who would be, I don't know, better to be in an alliance with of some sort or, you know, like, I feel like that's where the decision is going to come from. What do you think, Elizabeth? I don't know. Like, I think... At first, my probably my first reaction would have been Narn because that's just me. Like I'm like, you know, <laughs> they've been they're basically getting massacred. But yeah, you're right. You're completely right. They would pick whoever. You know what though? Okay, let me go with this angle. The Centauri's have that really cool ability of their telepaths to link over infinite amount of distance. Maybe the Psychor wants that and uh, wants to know how they do that. <laughs> so. Because they're in league with the government, we're I'm just making that so we're we're aligning with the Centauri just for that. That's okay. My, that's my prediction. Good, good. At least you <laughs> at least you picked a side. <laughs> that would make it interesting though, because I mean what would the Nartans do? They would have they would have no chance. So Heidi, are you gonna go for the Narn? Yeah, I'll go for the Narn. So one of us will be well, right. Yeah, we'll, we'll be yeah. on opposite sides here. I'll, I'll go for the Narn. Cool. I kind of now feel like there should be some sort of reward or forfeit. <laughs> I'm not sure how we could I mean, do that over audio. <laughs> Just the, the smugness of our own decision will be... Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Yan, thank you for joining us again this week. It's always great to have you. Yes, of course, was, Oh, definitely. And, yeah, we'll be seeing you back later on, right? Yes, uh, beginning of next year. I think I remember the episode. Um, Is it? (laughs) Not until 2015? It is. Wow. Well, at least, unless there are other uh, replacements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're close to the end of the year now. Wow. Yeah, we are. (laughs) 
Oh, happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Yeah, it'll be Halloween. Been and gone by the time we called next. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there are anybody doing B5 related costumes. Put your pictures up in the Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah, we'll let's make see fun if of anyone... you very much. <laughs> let's see if anyone can do a space spider. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like to see someone as Londo. Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> A space spider would be great because you can carry a laser pointer and just yeah. push everybody. <laughs> Zap everybody. But you kind of have to do it with someone else coming along as uh, Mr. Morden. Oh my god, he's <laughs> oh, Yes. Yeah, somebody has to do Mr. Morden. <laughs> somebody has to be Londo and Veer. Excellent. So yeah, can you remind us where we can find you out there on the internet? Yes, you can find me at Babylon Lurker on Twitter. I'm on the Facebook group, so uh, find me there. I do occasionally write on a blog, uh, babylonlurker.net slash blog, and I think that's it. Very cool. If somebody has to be Coda, yeah, somebody else to be Oh, no, no, no. Kosh, maybe. Oh, that would be God. elaborate. Yeah, a lot of these would be a lot of work. Oh yeah, they would. I mean, I have... even Delenn would take a bit of work. Uh-huh, I've, yeah. I've I've seen uh, at least two different Delens after the uh, transition. Oh yeah, uh, as cosplay, uh, it's well done. Nice. Can be done. Last uh, last May at the FedCon, there were two nuns. Well, couple played, really? uh, played cosplay wow. two nuns. That was impressive. I think was I was one of them shirtless uh, <laughs> or wearing no. a bathrobe. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think I can find find a picture of them. So uh, I'll post it in in the group then. Oh, was, oh yeah. Like, somebody could do a Pakmara. <laughs> oh, what about um? God, Kriga's name, the Mantis. Oh, yeah. oh what happened to that guy? Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. We haven't heard anything about time. him, have we? No, no. he disappeared. Oh my god! Just... I guess they had to give the um, the suit back to Joss Whedon, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, that's all we have today, folks. <laughs> we'll be back next time with All Alone in the Night. And until then, goodbye. Bye, struck off. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. 